market. The S&P. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is kind of glad earnings season is over, but we'll miss it now. It's gone. Ain't that the truth? Isn't it funny? I'm Andrew Page, and with me is Scott Phillips. The aforementioned. G'day, Andrew. G'day, Phils. Thanks for listening. What are we talking about today, Scott? We've got a whole bunch, is the short answer. Full bag of mail today. We really do. We've got to talk about um, earnings season now yes. that it's over. We'll talk about the companies that sort of released results towards the end there and our take on that. A uh, bit of news in the uh, media space. CBS buys Network 10. Out of the clouds. Yeah. Massive surprise. Yep. Yeah. So we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit. Telstra's back in the news here as uh, well. It's NBN hopes hit a bit of a speed bump. We're going to open up the mailbag as well. A uh, question on how often should I look at my investments? A cracker of a question, so we'll dive into that. And uh, best effects at the ready. <laughs> Scott saddles up with his high horse for yet another rant. Look, Is that a horse or an elephant? Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I don't know if that's ever walked the earth, whatever news. <laughs> That thing is the horse of them, mate. Oh. Um, it was a, a crazy, hectic, uh, busy uh, earning season, as Ain't it that always the thing. is. We look forward to it every every six months, and you get about two thirds of the way through, and you're just thinking, "This is just like trying to drink through a fire hose." It's oh, it's, bloody tough. It, it's a it's it'd be nice if it was sort of drip fed to us Wouldn't throughout it? the year. <laughs> One a week, couple of week would be nice. It just all comes at once, and so. But we look, we got we got um, a couple of interesting ones. I thought yes. we had to talk about Blackmores. Indeed. It's a company uh, you and I have both recommended. Mate, it was up 20% in the two days after earnings. Yeah, Phenomenal. 20%. So what happened there? So let's let's take you through the numbers here. Sales were down 3%. That Ooh. doesn't sound too bad. No, no. 3%, not terrible. <laughs> but net profit was down 42%. Oh, sell. Um, now, this was all to do with this huge disruption they had at the start of the year. Uh, Aussie sales down about 23%. Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of what they call Daigu shoppers. So entrepreneurial, uh, generally uh, Chinese um, nationals, yes. that, you know, b- coming over here, filling the suitcase up, sending it back home and, and making a nice little um, uh, profit in doing so. Mm-hmm. Uh, that all dried up and it really just knocked things for six. Now, what happened is that Blackmore's upped its cost significantly yeah. in the year before trying to meet all this rampant Sales demand. are great, costs can go up. It's going to go forever, right? And so then we just had the, the darker side of operating leverage hit it. And so, you know, again, it's one of these stories. On, 42% fall in Oper- Operating leverage. Talk to me about that. Uh, okay. Can't throw out those, that jargon this time of the morning and expect to get away Sorry, with it. Sorry, mate. It's, it's something that um, is a, well, it's a double-edged sword. Let's put right. it that way. So let's take Blackmores as an example. Mm-hmm. A relatively high fixed cost base. Right. Lots of staff, warehousing, Just there, that cost that you've got to pay come hell or high water. Yep. Whatever's happening, you, you've got to pay that. Yep. Um, and they have some pretty juicy gross margins. So mm-hmm. what they sell something for versus what they themselves pay for, it's pretty good um, profit there. So talking about the product cost here, not the cost of running the business the, proper. Yeah, the variable cost. Right. So what happens is once you pass that point of break even, mm-hmm. when you've got enough gross profit coming through to cover those fixed costs, yes. every point beyond that, is that, that gross profit just falls pretty much straight to the bottom line. Right. And it means that you can have relatively substantial movements at the bottom line, at profit line, from relatively small movements at the top line in right. terms of sales or profit. So, so in the, so very the classic of sales, case more and more of it goes to the bottom line. Right. And right. so with Blackmore, sales, as I said, were only down 3%. Yep. But the profit was down 42%. And and that's a, that's a phenomenon. Now, the thing is with Nicely Black- explained, mate. Did you reckon I yeah, thought I butchered well that? Well, here's the other thing. So this works both ways. So let's say that for the sake of argument, Blackmore's manages to grow its sales by 5% in the coming year. Yep. Its net profit will not go up 5%. It would, I don't know what the number is. It'll go up a hell of a lot. Assuming they keep costing in check, it should go up by 8, 10, 12%. Yeah, like a, much, a, much, a much bigger percent. In fact, I think it's actually a lot more than that. Right. Um, 
Uh, need to dust off the old spreadsheet. Um, so, mate, what did you make of it uh, overall? Well, here's the funny thing. The first thing we need to talk about is when you see a yearly result, it's really easy to look at that and say that's what happened almost every day for that year. Yeah. If sales were down 3%, they'll probably down 3% all year. Mm. And, and the answer was, or the, the, the key thing is it wasn't that bad. In fact, it was a record fourth quarter, as you made the point earlier in the week, yeah. Andrew. So this is a situation where you look at a full year number and you say, this is what happened this year. That's true in aggregate, yeah. but it hides a whole lot of stuff underneath that. So the reason the shares were up were basically because the company had delivered a record fourth quarter. Sales were strong. They're growing finally. It's been a tough, probably what, five or six quarters in a row now. Oh. Um, you know, Chinese sales, Daigu sales to China hit their peak about quarter two of last year, I want to say, something like that. Yeah. Um, and pretty much have dropped off ever since. Mm. That's what said the shares got falling from 225 odd bucks to down about 80 bucks at the yeah. lowest. Um, but now it's coming back because the company seems to have turned the corner. And that's the key message. And that's why it's always worth looking underneath the hood here. When you see a 3% fall in sales, yes, it's a total of three, but it was probably I don't know, 15 or 16 early in the year mm. and probably a growth in the fourth quarter. And that's what matters. It's the future sales that matter. Investors looking at those numbers saying, you know what, next year could be pretty good. Yeah, and I think the market was really sort of being weighed on by this. So um, Blackmore's had always had this story that, hey, look, it's, everything's fine. A bit of a disruption. It's temporary. China's still a thing. It's going gonna, it's gonna to keep going. And, and that was uncertain. It was like, well, that was, a, that was a compelling narrative. But is that actually what's going on? Or is there a dry up in underlying demand? That fourth quarter number, give us some confidence that actually things are still on track and, and hence the share price reaction. Mate, if we spend this long in every company, we're going to do another hour and a half. Uh, not your fault at all. We, we, have, we, have, we have to answer this. Is it still a buy for you? Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, buy for me too. Uh, Webjet. Uh, now, mate, this is a company that I have just, uh, it's got so wrong. I think three years ago, <laughs> we started working together yes. and you were talking to me about the virtues of Webjet and I just, mate, who's going to pay 20 bucks? Because their booking fee is, is, I think, quite quite high. Yep. Um, uh, you know, right. you pay 20 bucks to book on Webjet, you can do it for free on Qantas or Virgin. Yeah. You know, it's like, wh wh where's the actual value here? And this looks like something where there's a whole bunch of players scrambling to sort of, you know, very um, strong competition. Well, here's the thing. Over the last five and 10 years, um, the total shareholder return has been on average about 30% per year. There's a phenomenal run up in profits. But the, the thing that was really knocked me um, over with this result is that even in 2017, they're still growing their per share earnings like the clap is here, 30% growth there. Total transaction volumes up 25%. They've got $100 million in net cash. Uh, just a spectacular result. Yeah, look, this is the, this is the downside of buying what you know. So we say a lot, Peter Lynch was a famed U.S. fund manager. That's the that's the official phrase. Yes. You say Peter Lynch, you don't have to follow up with famed, famed U.S. fund manager. <laughs> right. um, he did a spectacular job over 10 or 15 years in the 80s. Mm. Um, he said, buy what you know. Yeah. And that makes a whole heap of sense, right? Yeah. Trying to, rather than trying to work out the success of some biotech hopeful or this miner in the middle of Africa right. trying to find uranium, plutonium, lithium, mm. um, you buy what you know. Look at a retail, look at a telco, look at something you know, a business that you're in, that's something that you do. Um, I used to work for Blackmores back in the day. I, I used... Uh, a piece of software there that was supplied by corporate travel management. Mm. Those two companies have been big winners. I found those by buying what I knew. Yeah. But in this case, you've got to be a little bit careful because you and I would not use Webjet. I wouldn't pay 20 bucks. You wouldn't pay 20 bucks. We're both way too tight to pay 20 bucks when you could do it on virtual <laughs> Qantas directly, right? Yeah. So we kind of looked at it and went, that's you. I was on Who's Sky do that? Yeah. years ago saying, uh, I like, no, business can't do any good. No one's going to pay this money. Eventually, someone's going to wise up. Now, mm. thankfully for me and for our members at Hidden Gems, I did wise up about three years ago. Mm. Um, cost me a few bucks in the meantime, and it cost our members a few bucks. But then realize, you know, it's not about me. It's about who, who else uses it, yep. what else they use, why they use it, how they use it. 
That's what led us to recommend Webjet. And that is the key message here. It has gone from strength to strength. As you say, 30% per annum over 10 years. That is a stonking result. Absolutely stonking. Motley Fool Money. Financial advice for real people, not trust fund hippies. Sign up for the newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Let's talk a bit about Network 10. So, geez, they've been in all kinds of trouble. We've talked about it in previous episodes. Um, But then, uh, out of the blue, the US network giant, CBS. The largest free-to-air broadcaster in the States, yes. Yes. And and they've come out and said, well, we'll buy you. Man, that's got to be a a sigh of relief. (laughs) That was a... This well, it's a sigh... Well, it depends. It's kind of a sigh of relief. The problem is that shareholders get nothing. So, the bad news here, if you're a Channel 10 shareholder, you are walking away with bupkis. You get a share certificate that says, oh, I used to own 10 and it used to be worth something. Yeah. Um, other than that, you've got a, a couple of bruises and some scars to show if you're 10 ownership. Yeah. Now, some people make a bit of money out of this, yeah. at least get paid back their money, and that's the debt holders. Right. And the big three debt holders were CBS itself, yep. and then the three billionaires, Packer, Gordon, and Murdoch. Mm-hmm. Um, Packer and Murdoch uh, tell themselves, Bruce Gordon owns the Wind Network. Mm-hmm. So those three media barons owned a chunk of debt in Channel 10, and the expectation was that Murdoch and Gordon would buy the network. Mm. Turns out CBS came from the clouds at the last minute and have taken that business. Here's the thing. 10 owed CBS more than all of its other creditors combined. In other words, mm. CBS had less to shell out to yeah. make Channel 10 whole, and that gave them the front running. No one honestly thought they were in the race, No, but they ended up buying the network. Isn't that amazing? It and, really is. And so here's the thing. Do you think... Do you think it will be better in the hands of CBS. A lot of 10's content comes from them anyway, and that was a big part of their cost. Yeah, so I guess yeah. that alone has got to make a huge difference. <laughs> That's a nice way to fix, your, nice way to fix your, your income statement, right? All you do is say, well, this, I used to have this cost. That cost goes away because I'm owned by the people who supply the content. Look yeah. how profitable we yeah, are. Right, right. They solved the problem overnight. Um, look, 10, yeah, 10 is going to be in a much, much better position as a result without mm-hmm. that content cost. CBS as an organization say, well, guess what? We've now got more viewers, more eyeballs to share this content across. Think mm-hmm. about NCIS, Big Bang Theory, mm-hmm. plenty of others, I think CSI, um, mm-hmm. plenty of others besides. These guys make all this great content. Australian networks in the past have bought it, including, by the way, channels 9 and 7, who mm-hmm. we should assume will lose access to that content once the deals finish. Yep. So 10 get all that stuff effectively now for free because they're part of the CBS network. Mm-hmm. And the question really for viewers is, and for all of us, but for viewers in particular, is how do they change Australian television? Mm-hmm. Now, one thing they are going to do is release a streaming service. So the likes yeah. of the Netflix is in the yeah. Stands, yeah, the Foxtels, yeah. they've got their own in the US. There's 2 million people paying six bucks a month yeah. for a CBS uh, over-the-top streaming mm-hmm. service. And CBS have said already they're going to launch it down here. Okay. That'll be, that'll be interesting. Uh, we've got to watch how that whole space plays out. It's going to get to a point where how many subscription services do people want to pay for? So we'll see if they can they can make a go of it. Um, one, one thing I just would, before we go on there, it's just a nice little reminder there that whenever you're looking at investments, debt holders always rank in front of equity <laughs> holders. So they what? just bear that in mind. Real money advice from real people. Not just a couple of dicks with a Porsche. Get more at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Mate, let's talk a bit about Telstra. Yes, from the sublime to it, the it, to the ridiculous. Telstra, yeah. It just keeps coming up, and it will continue to do so. Such a such a um, big company in our market. The one, la- that, the, the, the one that's yeah. Or you go about. Say I was going to say it's, right. it's the most widely held by by private investors. Correct. Mum and dad investors, as they like Mom to be known. Mum and dad investors, not a cliche. <laughs> we should right. do a cliche episode. We should. There'd be a bunch, couldn't there? Most of our listeners saying you guys do that oh, every week. God, don't. <laughs> um, uh, so. Oh, geez, such a long story. Let, let's do a, a, a quick recap here. Uh, there were some concerns over uh, balance sheets and cash flows and the rest of it. Uh, Telstra is set to receive something close to $10 billion in payments from dollars. the NBN. 
um, uh, over the next few years. Mm -hmm. And they thought, well, here's something clever. <laughs> what we could do is let's get it all up front by packaging it all up, securitizing it as it's known, and selling it to someone else. So cliches and jargon, yes. And we maybe we'll explain that in a little bit more detail, but basically meant they would have got a whack of cash now rather than sort of drip fed over those four years. Correct. They could use that to do a bit of balance sheet repair, a bit of capital management, as they call clean up things a little bit, help mm -hmm. underpin that dividend, that all-important dividend that everyone's so worried on. But NBN came out throughout the week and they said, <clears throat> no, uh, we won't let you do that. We do not conssent to you doing that. Why right. would NBN do that, mate? Oh, mate, I'm going to take Why a Why do they hate Telstra I'm so much? <laughs> Haters going to hate, aren't they? Yeah. Just got to shake it off. There's a triple M reference for you. That's Swift, Taylor Swift. Okay. Um, Take your word for it. <laughs> Poor Liam, he's just, his head's exploded over in there. Uh, he's very much the wrong network. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> uh, we were listening to Janie's Got a Gun as we came into the studio. That is my, one of my very, very favorite songs from the old, the good old Triple M days. If you guys invest wisely, we get that as your theme song. Yes. Okay. yes. There we go. <laughs> I'm actually thinking, how much is that going to cost us? A lot. More than oh, you can okay. afford. <laughs> That's why I said invest wisely. <laughs> If all of our listeners banded together, we get a loose race $42, oh, easily, I'm sure. Easily. Yeah. All right. So, Telstra, um, they are selling their ducts and pits and cables mm -hmm. to the NBN. Yep. And in return, they get some cash for it. Mm -hmm. Now, when I say selling, the government make them do it. But yeah. basically, they negotiated $11 billion. Yep. The NBN are going to pay that over another four or so years, as you mentioned, mm -hmm. Andrew. And that's going to be kind of lumpy cash. It'll come through basically as the NBN takes over yep. certain streets and suburbs. Is they're decommissioned or, yeah. They get the cash. Now, that, that money comes through in lumps, as I said. Mm. Telstra wanted to do a deal where they basically were going to say to someone, probably an investment bank, tell you what, you give us some money now and we'll sign over our rights to all of those cash flows over the next four or five years. Okay. So basically, and, and people have been doing that for years. It's kind of, it's called securitization. You mm -hmm. mentioned it. Mm -hmm. um, most often it's done with um, accounts receivable. So if, you, if, I, if I did some services for you and sent you a bill, yep. I'd be waiting for you to pay the money. Yep. Now, some enterprising bank comes and says, don't wait for Andrew to pay. I'll pay, I'll pay, I'll pay now. you now. Yep. In return, now, I won't though, pay you the full amount. <laughs> and that's the answer. So they're yeah. going to, most of those accounts receivable securitizations, you get about 90 cents a dollar straight up. Yep. The collector gets the difference, and if it doesn't happen, you don't get the money, yep. then they take the loss, but they take that risk, they make some money. And on that's it. that's why they will pay less than a full dollar's worth of value Correct. for a dollar, because they have to. I mean, they, they're taking on risk, they Spot need on. to make it worthwhile. Now, Telstra, and that was the compromise that Telstra wanted to take. They will, yes, we're going to get less money in net present value terms, yep. but we get it all up front, we can do some stuff with that. Spot on. So basically, to do that though, for Telstra to engage a third party, that third party has to have some sort of confidence the cash was definitely coming. Yep. And that Which was is probably pretty reliable, right? Probably. But if you're a banker, you don't want probably, you want definitely, yeah. right? And so Telstra knew if it was going to collect 95 or 96 or 97 cents in the dollar, mm. it needed to give the other party some really serious certainty. Yeah. It needed the NBN to say, yes, absolutely. We promise we will give you this money in this time frame. Scout's honor. Yep. The NBN said, well, we could give you that promise. But if we gave you that promise, there'd be downside for us because we're on the hook for yeah. the promise. Yeah. There's no upside for us, so why would we bother? You know doing what it? I reckon it's got to do with as well. Tell me. Um, call me a cynic, but I would I would imagine that the the second that they hit profitability, MBN, they'll be floated on the market, and uh, the government look to get the hell out of it. And it's probably a legitimate thing. It's certainly something. Well, it happened with Telstra, right? And it's one of those things you probably don't want as a bit of an overhang when right, you're looking right. to package it up and, and sell the business. But in any case, there was still no upside. So even even without the privatisation, if you're MBN. Mm -hmm. 
why would you put yourself on the hook for it? If there's, there's literally yeah, no upside, there's, like, there's only downside, right? Yeah, and so they're saying, well, and they said that to, to your point about the shareholders and the shareholders mm. are currently the government. They said there is no benefit to our owners of us make, giving this guarantee. So why would you do it? And the answer is you wouldn't do it, of course. Okay, so um, they came out and they said this shares plummeted. Yes, uh, the, thing you've well. got to, the thing you've got to be aware of there it also went ex dividend <laughs> that day as well. So in other words, people who bought uh, on the ex dividend date aren't eligible for the next dividend, which right. is why the share price corrects, etc. Right, right, right. But but all about two percent of the fall was probably this deal. Right. And and is this a problem? Does this is this make things harder for them? I, I'm a contrarian. I'm glad this fell over. As a Telstra shareholder, as someone you, who's mate. recommended Telstra, yeah. basically Telstra is saying Telstra they've got a balance sheet which more than covers the money they're going to receive. Right. Mm, yep. They don't need to do this deal other than to keep other shareholders happy who want this dividend in a regular way. Mm. The shareholders themselves who liked this deal were saying, we were happy to take less money yep. because we wanted a steady flow of it. Now, if I said to you, Andrew, I'll give you a hundred bucks in a year's time, yep. or I'll give you a dollar a week between now and the end of the year, which would you take? A uh, hundred dollars. Right. Because you yeah. want more money and you're happy to say, I won't get the money for a year because yeah. at the end of the process, I get more. I get double. That's the share. Yeah. That, that wasn't quite double. That was an exaggerated example, but mm. this is exactly the deal Telstra shareholders were making, which is exactly that. Yep. Telstra shareholders saying, well, we, and the company on their behalf saying, we'll take a steady flow of less money mm. rather than a lumpy flow of more money. Yeah. It makes absolutely no financial sense. It was financial engineering done to placate a fickle market. Yeah. And that's exactly the wrong reason. I to think do from a long-term perspective, you're right. And I 100% agree with you. Get more Motley Fool money advice at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. Mate, let's open up the mailbag. Um, I don't Rick, have a sound effect for that. No, we don't. I mean, what is this? Is yeah. that kind of ripping the envelope? I don't know. Yeah, no? maybe that's no? the way to do it. Sorry that hurt your ears. Um, Ricky Davis, uh, thanks uh, for writing uh, to us on Twitter. He says, hi, guys. Uh, great podcast. I'm new to investing. Sorry, what do you say? Great. Great podcast. Great podcast. Andrew is fantastic. No, no, uh, whoa, 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 Scott is holding him back. <laughs> um, I'm new to list. I'm new to investing. I started early 2016 and have a small portfolio of five businesses. Congratulations. Excellent. That are doing well over the short term. Question for you. I want to keep on top of my portfolio. Good man. So when should I review each business? I'm in for the long term, but want to understand any changes that happen uh, over 12 months, is there a month of the year that is best to review each in detail? Keep up the great work. Spectacular question. Yeah, it's a great question. You said we have a great podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Um, you know what? So here, I'm going to say yeah, a couple of things first. The first thing I love about the, the, well, the first thing I love is you said we have a great pod. Did I mention we have a great podcast? <laughs> Ricky says in his second sentence, though, I have a small portfolio of five businesses. You know what I love about that? He, he didn't say five stocks. Yeah, businesses. I yeah. love that. It's, it's brilliant. It's the and perfect mindset. Yeah. That's it. yeah, it's exactly the best way to start, right? Mm. He's not talking about five stocks or five tickers or five things that float in a screen. He's yeah. saying five businesses, which mm -hmm. I love. Yep. It's awesome. Yep. So that's great. Um, he wants to keep on top of the portfolio. That's great. Yes. He's in for the long term. That's also great. So yep. Ricky's ticking all the boxes. When he says he wants to review the businesses, that's a great question to ask. And mm. again, he's talking about businesses, not share mm -hmm. prices. So mm -hmm. loving it all. The best time, frankly, is the times we've just finished, the earnings seasons that it go past each year. Yeah. Now, not every company reports earnings in the same cycle. If your mm -hmm. financial year is different, then you're going to be in a different cycle. Mm -hmm. But most companies have a June end of uh, the first half or full year yep. and a December end of the reverse. So it's either yep. a half year in December, full year in June or vice versa. Yep. That is the very best time to look at those businesses because that's the time of the year you get the most up-to-date financials. Yep. We talked about Blackmore's. Blackmore's mm. put out a result and said, here's what we did. Here's how much money we made. Here's our outlook. Here's our commentary. Mm. Here's what's going on in our business. Yeah. At, that is the one point in the year or twice a year when you are most informed as to what the company did mm -hmm. and what it believes it can do. And that makes that, that's the very, very best time, Ricky, to have a look at the companies you own and say, what's going on? How are things placed? Are we in a good spot? Um, if you're going to do it, I reckon twice a year and I reckon 
June yeah, and December are the, are the perfect season. time to do it. Oh, sorry, so we should say June and December are the half years. So February and August are the two earnings seasons. Yep. Look for your company's annual report. Look for the financial statements. Look for the management commentary. That's the very best time to have a look. Yeah, and, and just keep your finger on the pulse a little bit here, but not saying sort of, you know, watching the screen all day, every day. But, you know, companies will release uh, announcements from time to time if their outlook change or something material is expected with the business. Right. You can go to the ASX website. There's a whole bunch of services you can sign up for that will give you alerts when these things happen. They're all free. Um, and that's a great way too, just to get a, a, a ping is to say, Hey, by the way, something has changed here. I think the, the, the thing that I would stress here and people, people, a lot of people I know will spend a lot of time watching share price movements and feel as though they're keeping up with things there. And I think, <laughs> I think it kind of distracts you. Price yeah, is point. obviously important. I mean, good price point. is implicit to everything that we do, but I think what you need to do is you start with the business to your point, you come up with an idea of value yep. and then you compare the market price against that. I think that's really the only time that you really need to look at the price. Um, yeah, look, I, I would say if you can manage it, mate, don't even look at the price daily, try and do it weekly at most. Uh, as you say, set up yourself up an alert if you want to, to see whether there's, so the, yeah, check in August and February and other times, probably only if there is price sensitive news released by the company mm. or if there's a significant change in the share price that might make you think, hey, something might be going on there, I better have a look. The other thing I'd, I'm a big fan of um, talk a bit about too is keeping an investment diary, whether it's a scrapbook or just a Word document on your computer. It's just when, you, when you're going to buy something, write down, and it sounds really basic, but why do you like this company? What are you expecting it to do? What are your, what are your right, targets right. for this kind of thing? Put that in paper because I can guarantee you six to 12 months later, there'll be every chance you go, why did I buy that? What was, you know, and, yep. and, and there's this thing called thesis creep where you buy sort of a business for one particular reason yep. and then things change and then you, you continue to right. hold it, but based on a very, very different sort of outlook and thing than which originally started. Things just morph into something yep. that you'd never intended it to be. I buy it because be. it's cheap and now it's expensive. So I'm keeping it because it's value and then the share price drops and the business goes to hell and I'm I keep it because it's a turnaround story. All of a sudden, you've, you've gone through we a full. We all do it. We, exactly, all, we exactly. all do it. It's very, very hard not to. But I just think having things there in black and white will just keep you honest about what your expectations were. You can update that as things change. Indeed. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's just a very sensible way to go about it. Excellent. Ricky, you are absolutely on the right path, dude. Keep doing what you're doing. I have no doubt if you can keep that mindset, you'll do very, very well as an investor. Yeah, nice one. And try and build that uh, portfolio up to uh, like 10 or 15 stocks too. Just give yourself a bit of extra diversification. Yep. yep. Motley Fool Money. For more, go to fool.com.au forward slash triple M. You ready? Oh, I'm ready. <laughs> Walking back to my mark. I'm rubbing the cherry on the front of the, the strides. Okay. Looking up at the bathroom with a fierce and menacing glare. Oh, no. The crescent. Lily, <laughs> Here I come. What goes on in your head, mate? <laughs> Seriously. Mate, you know better than us. That no, no, actually, yeah, no, I, I did a, I did a couch retract. and a very expensive psychologist to work that a out. A team working around the clock. <laughs> Despite that, here I am on my high horse. What They're you letting me loose today? in front of the microphone. They, there's security guards at the door. I've locked it. I'm here. I'm doing my thing. I really, really, really hate cheap populist politics. And this is a finance podcast. I'm not going to get into the politics specifically. But when it comes to finance, you've got to stop listening to the bloody treasurer and the shadow treasurer and the PM and the bloody opposition leader with their populist, absolute political crap. Give me an example. Oh, so many examples. The first home buyers grant, right, was yeah. supposed to help first home buyers. It's going to be great. What did it do? Well, everyone spent it. It pushed house prices up, but they get to say, well, we're giving you some money. How could it be bad? Vote for me. Yeah. Absolute and complete tripe. Yeah, All it does by providing a first home buyer's grant to everybody is it pushes the average price of the house up for everybody mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. And so what do you do? Well, the people who are selling their houses make some extra money. Yeah. People who are buying are no better off because everyone's got more money. 
you know, the old keeping up with the Joneses story, right? In the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. Right. When you've all got two eyes already and someone offers you sunglasses, then you feel like you're a hero. <laughs> and then it keeps going from there. Absolute yeah. madness. Bank CEO salaries. For the love of God, Scott Morrison gets up and says, we're going to fix the bank CEO salaries. Those bastards. It's not the bank CEO salaries that are making the slightest bit of difference for shareholders no. or for the com community. No. There is, there's absolute bullshit incentives set by the banks that are basically saying, how can we screw our customers and make more money? Yeah, yeah, you don't know exactly. how much you pay the CEOs. You pay them yeah. half or double or triple or, you know. Well, the government had a problem with oh, super high Jesus. salaries. They could always uh, change their uh, tax thresholds or make, something. It, it, right? just, you know? it just doesn't make any difference. Yeah. You know, are they ever paid? Of course they are. Yeah. But you know what? Scott Morrison wants everyone to say, good on you, Scott. You're telling those bank CEOs. They're not changing the interest rate. They're not yeah. changing the fees on the accounts. Makes, but, but Whether they get paid yeah. double or half is not going to matter a zack to your investment performance, your shareholder or customer performance. But it makes the headline look good and it's like, we're doing something. We're taking some action. <laughs> My third one, speaking okay. of action, yeah. Malcolm Turnbull calling the electricity companies down to Canberra. I'm going to tell them what for. <laughs> I'm going to make them put their prices down because that's why I'm... You know, they reckon all politics is local. It's all about the hip pocket nerve. It yeah. probably is. It's probably a great political view, right? Probably a great thing to do for politics. Look what we're doing. We're doing those energy companies what for. We're helping you keep those energy prices down. We're on your side. Absolute Bullshit. <laughs> there is an electricity market which isn't working. If they wanted to fix it, they'd fix it. Yeah. There's a million things they could do to fix the energy market. What are they doing? Giving the song and dance, the dog and pony machine. show. Yeah. They've been called, summoned to Canberra is the headline. Yeah. Summoned to Canberra to hear from the PM while he drags them over the coals and hits them with a piece of wet lettuce and gives them what force. Do you know any energy companies who have been shooting a lights out share price? All of them. <laughs> they're making a squillion dollars. He's right. They're making a squillion dollars. And so instead of actually fixing the problem, He's trying to do the bloody political window dressing. Yeah, it's all a distraction, God. isn't it? And they're all just as bad, by the way. The, op the opposition, this is not a political, the, a party political thing. The opposition are just as yeah, bad. They if are. they fixed the policy rather than worry about the politics, the problem wouldn't exist in the first place. Yeah. Absolute crap. There was a great ca cartoon you remind me of. I think it was the New Yorker a couple of years ago. And they had two booths. And over one, it said complicated but accurate answers mm. and there was no one at that booth and there was and there was the other one said uh easy but wrong and there was a huge line on that one I, Mate, I, and I all think the politicians were the front of that one yeah totally Jesus. anyway uh, anyway so, yeah, there's an investing takeaway here and that is don't fall for the easy obvious answer just because someone promises you activity or mm. action every bloody broker's ad says take a position be in charge you're a smart guy do the right thing just you know, step away from the easy, obvious answer, as you say. Go for the complicated but accurate Nuanced, answer. Yeah. Spend the time. Mm. Do the thinking. Don't just fall for the easy political tabloid headline. It is absolute crap. Well said, mate. And that wraps Ooh, it up for I this week. I feel so much better You're now. relieved? I am. You don't need to see a psychiatrist when you've got when you've got this each week. This is You can purge here. <laughs> Thank you. Unburden yourself. Um, uh, before we go, don't forget you can subscribe to the Triple M Motley Fool Money podcast through iTunes or your favorite Android podcast app. And you should. And if you like what you're doing, give us a big fat five-star rating. Also go to fool.com.au forward slash Triple M. That. Sign <laughs> up for our well. free newsletter. You'll hear from our boss, Bruce, and ourselves. It'll be a bit of fun. And before we go, Andrew, one last one. Oh, yes. Today is Legacy Day. I got um, my badge. You do, as do I. Legacy is doing a fantastic job looking after our ex-servicemen and women doing a great and job. their families, most particularly if they haven't come back or they're not in the best of health. If you have the opportunity, jump down to your local train station, bus stop, shopping center, buy yourself a Legacy badge. If you can't do any of those things, jump onto legacy.com.au. Um, really, really great course. One of the best ones. My... Um, my favorite charity, Legacy, do a fantastic job. So do yourself a favor, do them a favor, do our service personnel a favor. Jump on legacy.com.au and make a donation. Well said, mate. Thanks, Until sir. next week, full on. Full on.
The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash triple M. The Motley Fool operates under financial services license 400691.